How's it going, everybody? This is Sean Barnes. I want to welcome you to episode one of The Way of the Wolf. And I've spent a little bit of time thinking through what content I really wanted to discuss on our first show. And after thinking about it, reflecting, I've got tons of ideas and, and things that I want to discuss and, and cover, but I realized it might be more beneficial for me to share a little bit about myself and who I am, how I've come to decide to, to put this show on. And so that's where we're going to start. As you already know, my name is Sean Barnes. I have focused the majority of my career in the IT realm. I am currently the Vice President of IT, HR, and Project Management Office for an oilfield services company. And one of the things that I've found in recent years is a passion for leadership development and coaching. And so I've started doing a good bit of that over the past really year, year and a half, trying to figure out what makes the most sense and what sort of methodology I'm going to have to be able to help people out. And the major driving force behind that is when I look at my career in the technology realm, I think about the almost two decades of experience that I've accumulated and how long it has taken me to learn a lot of the lessons that I've learned. Most individuals that focus their careers in the IT realm, uh, and I'm going to speak in generalities here, but for the most part are introverted by nature. They want to sit in an office or cube or closet somewhere, bang away at a keyboard and, and do their thing. And for the first half of my IT career, that's kind of who I was. I kind of have your, your typical trajectory of coming out of college, starting doing IT support at a bank, and then growing into a systems admin role, and then IT manager role, and then that kind of grew into managing a global infrastructure environment for another oilfield services company. I left there went into the IT consulting realm for actually less than a year and then found myself at my current employer as their director of IT. And in the past year, eight years, my role has just kind of grown and, and transitioned a little bit more into the HR realm, project management, integration, things like that. So those are also passions of mine. But the reality is over the past year, I've discovered that my true calling and passion has turned into leadership development. And the driver behind that is wanting to help either young or um, growing IT professionals in their field that are trying to figure out how to best add value to their business. They're not content just sitting in an office banging away at a keyboard. They, they have a calling and yearn for more. And my hope is that by having this podcast and, and coaching individuals, I can guide them and help them through some of the lessons and challenges that, that I've experienced over the years. And instead of them having to spend 20 years learning by trial and error, hopefully I can help them condense that time down so that they can be more effective at a much more rapid pace. And so that's it. That's really the intent of, of this and the coaching aspect of, of what I do. So when we think about leadership, in my career, I've had a number 
of really bad leaders. And while frustrating at the time, it has also taught me what not to do because I can vividly recall how those leaders made me feel over the years and realizing I never want to make anyone on any of my teams feel that way. So even if you've got a bad leader, I actually put out a, a YouTube show last week talking about how to deal with poor leadership, especially if it's in uh, you're reporting into that leader. But we'll cover a lot of that type of content as, as time goes on. Now, I've also had a small handful of incredible leaders. There are uh, three specifically that come to mind in, in my career that have had just such a profound impact on me and that I would always strive to achieve what they had achieved or to emulate certain aspects of what they did to become successful leaders. Now, if we flash back to my time as the IT manager over global infrastructure for an oilfield services company, our director of IT at the time, I had worked with him for a number of years. He was in operations and then came into the business. And I spent probably two years working directly for him. Those two years were, were very challenging in that I was still hyper-focused on the technology. We built an entirely new data center environment, which was extremely exciting. It was a $3.2 million project, and I had about 22 or so engineers on my team at that time. And the project was so exciting. I was so passionate about it. At the time, I was regularly working 80 hours a week, sometimes even more, trying to make sure that we hit every single deadline on the project plan, every single milestone. And at the end of that year, I sat down with him and for, our, for my annual performance review. And I was thinking that I was crushing it and sat down and received a two on my performance review, which my immediate response was to kind of shut down and just be furious. As the conversation unfolded, I came to realize where his head was at, what he was trying to teach me. As I mentioned, I had over 20 engineers that were on my team. I was breaking my back. I was killing myself. For the most part, they were coming in cruising eight to five and then going home and doing whatever they did. The reason I was ranked so low on my performance review was because I was being graded against a leader not as an individual contributor. And that was a very tough pill for me to swallow at the time. But as years have gone on, I've come to realize how valuable that lesson was for me. As we grow in our careers, it's important to realize what makes you a successful IT manager versus a director, versus a vice president. Those are all very different skill sets. Now, as a vice president, you need to understand what people on your team are doing, but the skills required to be successful at that level are very different than the skills required to be successful as a systems engineer, for example. 
So that's one example of a, of a strong leader. Uh, another that comes to mind is was the uh, a CEO that I've worked for in the past, and he really knew nothing about technology, which is fine, but he completely entrusted me with everything related to the technology, completely supported me, every initiative that that I wanted to come forward and propose to the business. He had my back on when it came to budgeting time. You know, I had been used to spending three or four months going through multiple iterations and revisions of budgets. And the first time I sat down with him, he flipped through the budget, about 10 minutes glancing through everything, had probably three questions on, hey, what is this? Tell me a little bit about that. And after about 20 minutes, he said, okay, cool, go make it happen. So the lesson for me there was trust your team. Now, there has to be an element of trust to start off with, but if you show your team, your leaders within your organization, how much you trust them, you will have a loyal follower for life. I will never forget these strong leaders that I've had in my past. And there have been times, especially whenever I was trying to figure out what my role as a leader was going to look like or if I was even going to go down a path of leadership. Because I struggled with, do I go down a path as an individual contributor and solutions architect type role or go down the path of leadership? And I kept finding myself in leadership roles. So once I finally embraced that path of becoming a leader, it was challenging at first, but a few years in, I came to realize the importance of having strong leaders, building strong, strong teams, and the impact that they can have on your organization and business. So I want to shift gears a little bit and start talking about how I found myself leading both IT and human resources. Most conversations I have with people, whenever I let them know that I'm leading those two teams, they have a very puzzled look on their face, and rightfully so. Those are two functional areas that could not be more opposite, and I quickly learned that whenever I stepped in and started leading the HR organization at the company I'm at now. Whenever this occurred, we had had a span of about four years or so where we had gone through four senior HR leaders. We had a vice president of HR, then another vice president of HR who ended up, we ended up letting go of, and then we had a director of HR and then another director of HR. This all happened in a span of four years or so. And after that last director left, I sat down with our CEO and asked her if I could lead the HR organization. She immediately had this puzzled look on her face, questioning why on earth I would want to lead HR because I'm the IT guy. That doesn't make any sense. To which I responded with, yes, you're absolutely right. I am the IT guy and I don't know employment law. I don't know HR practices, but what I do know is how to build a strong team and I do know how to create structure. And some of the challenges that we had seen being a highly acquisitive company, trying to integrate all of these teams, we continue to hire HR manager level leaders. 
and put them into vice president level roles. Now, earlier I touched on how being a successful IT manager is much different than being a successful vice president of IT. Those are different skill sets that are required. And that's kind of what we were seeing in the HR realm. And so my proposal was let give me six months to a year, bring the team together, create some structure. And at that point in time, we can bring in a seasoned HR leader that can take that structured team up to the next level. So things went, well, admittedly, they were pretty rocky. I stepped into the role, and at that time, there were seven HR managers that were reporting to me, six of which wholeheartedly believed in their mind that they were going to be the next HR director. So talking about stepping into a team with a bit of adversity, having to have conversations with each, almost every single one of them, explaining why the IT guy got chosen for this role instead of one of these HR managers that had, some of them had up to 20 years of experience. So that did create some challenges, admittedly, on the front end of it. But we were able to work through that. As I came into the team and had those conversations, I expressed to them that my time in this role is is going to end up being, we're going to say, six months to a year. My intent is to help the team come together, create some structure, and start functioning as a team. Through that process... I fully expect certain HR managers and leaders to step up and start becoming extremely strong leaders. And when the time comes for us to find a replacement for me, that I would submit recommendations and and put them in front of whoever they needed to be put in front of to interview for that role. So came in, made some structural changes, didn't really sit well. I'd say maybe... 90% of the team was actually happy with them. So with the changes that were made and had a few that were very disgruntled, but we were able to work through that. So in that year's time, I had the opportunity to sit down with a number of business leaders and talk through challenges that I had never really had the opportunity to talk through before. Historically, I would go sit down with with vice presidents and presidents and our COO and, and just have a conversation with them, usually five to 10 minutes in length. They're all extremely busy and sit down as the director or vice president of IT. And in their minds, they were thinking, well, my printer works. I'm fine. I don't, I don't need anything from you. However, when the time comes to start talking through human resources and employment law issues, trust me when I say you get a lot more seat time with these executives because these challenges are, are never easy or rarely easy to navigate through. It's no longer talking about, well, this server isn't working. We need to spend this much money to get it up and running. It, it turns into very emotional, touchy-feely situations where you're having to contend with the emotions of one or multiple individuals which can be extremely challenging to deal with. Now, getting that extra seat time with those executives, they had the opportunity to see how I approached solving problems. 
And I have a tendency to take a very logical approach whenever I look at what is the problem and then how can we solve it collectively. And whenever you remove the emotion from the equation, it makes it much easier for you to have that conversation. But with that extra seat time, I found myself inserting little comments or suggestions around the technology initiatives or projects that we were working on. And over time, I was able to build more and more trust with all of these business leaders. It made it much easier to create new technology initiatives to focus on a digital transformation that was so desperately needed in the business. So you can see how I took a situation like being able to step into human resources and use that to my advantage to get more seat time and more exposure with these business leaders that are making their critical decisions. And then once you have that additional exposure and the trust, you can start nudging them in the right direction to start driving your digital transformations. So stepping into this HR role, while it was new and exciting and challenging, it also gave me an opportunity to get that FaceTime and spend more time with these executives, making sure that they understood where my head was at when it came to adoption of new technology solutions. So at the end of the first year, the CEO and COO basically decided that I was going to be staying in the leadership role on the HR team, which for me was exciting. It was still... I was still learning a tremendous amount. You know, I had spent over 15 years in the technology realm and, and I'm not going to say it was boring, but it did come easy to me. So stepping into the HR side of the fence, it challenged me a tremendous amount. Once we were able to get the HR team structure in place and, and functioning and, and working well, the business did start growing. We ended up bringing in an HR director to report to me and... We, we did have some challenges around turnover within the HR organization, but after a few years of leading both, I came to realize how drastically different it is leading an HR team versus an IT team. Again, to speak in generalities, IT individuals are usually introverted, highly logical, and sometimes they're emotional, but for the most part, they're... They're conscientious and logical and, and make decisions based on, on facts or data. When it comes to HR, there's really no facts or data. It's all about navigating emotions of this person versus this person versus this person and getting everybody to play nice. So I had to grow and learn how to develop my EQ to better understand how to navigate these challenging waters that I was faced with. Now, part of that, we had a director of leadership development at the time, and he's just an absolutely incredible individual. I'm going to have him on the show at some point, but he and I started working together on a few things as he was building his team, figuring out the best way to, to increase his reach into the organization by leveraging different technology solutions and just uh, figuring out what makes the most sense for the business. But I kind of latched onto that and 
he and I went back and forth on all sorts of different challenges and topics, and and I learned a tremendous amount from him about emotional intelligence and how to navigate these waters. And, you know, what's interesting is uh, he, he definitely has a different style of leadership and coaching than I do. Uh, he's a retired Navy SEAL Master Chief, and so he very, very much comes in with the, the sledgehammer approach. He's just going to lay it out and be brutally honest and just rip you to shreds. Um, and usually that creates a realization event for individuals. And it, it resonates well, especially in the oilfield service industry. My approach to it differs in that I, I like to say I kind of take more of a scalpel approach. I spend more time having conversations with each individual, trying to piece everything together and, and take more of a soft-handed approach to coach and guide and mentor people along the way. And, you know, m- my approach doesn't work well with some individuals, but it does work well with others. And so the important message here is... Focus on growing, figuring out where your weak spots are, and how do you close that gap. Identify friends, colleagues, other members of the business, or even reach out to your network and identify who you can have conversations with and learn from and grow from. So there's another individual that I... I, have to talk about who really is the inspiration behind me starting this show. His name is Tody Watley. He uh, started uh, 365 Driven, which does entrepreneurship, management, coaching, and development. And for me, I've known Tony for probably close to 20 years. Uh, both of us have been passionate about drag racing, uh, just cars in, in general. And Whenever I think back 20 years ago and the interactions that he and I had together, he was very much like me. We're both introverted, quiet to ourselves, and just kind of did our thing, but also loved cars. And he was also in various oilfield-related businesses. He's kind of project manager for large offshore projects, if I remember correctly. But in any event... Uh, through the ups and downs and downturns, uh, I believe a few years ago, maybe three years or so ago, he was let go from one of the, the large oilfield companies. And he spent some time reflecting and trying to figure out how could he make a greater impact out there. And so he identified weaknesses. Public speaking was not a strength of his. And so he signed up and went to Toastmasters every single week and started creating content on, on Facebook and Instagram and, and online and created this, this 365 driven community and wrote a book. And, and what he did is focused on all these areas that were weaknesses of his and came out and, and I could watch and see the growth in him over this, this three year span. And I ran into him at the gym a few weeks ago and we were just kind of talking about coaching and mentorship and some of the consulting stuff that I do for businesses. And, and I was getting his thoughts on content creation. He's like, just create a podcast. And it it just hit me. Okay, well, let's go ahead and see what this is all about. And so this was another example of finding those individuals that are in your network that you work with, or there's could be friends that grew themselves and, get exposure to them, work with them, learn how to become the best version of yourself. 
which we've got right there in the, the subtitle of this show, focus on being the best version of yourself. And so when I look at individuals like our vice president of leadership development or Tony Watley, who has grown so much, like I just, I can't stress enough the importance of not being complacent, figuring out where your weaknesses are and start closing those gaps. Now, one caveat I will throw in is there are some things that you will never be good at, and that's okay. You can go back and forth on, okay, well, here's my strength. I'm going to go all in on that, and I do believe that is extremely important. But when it comes to growth, you've also got to find some some areas where you're weak at that you're going to have to grow at when it comes to public speaking, or if you're extremely nervous talking in front of individuals that you don't know or large crowds, for you to be successful, you're going to have to figure out how to overcome that fear. Now, if you never overcome it, will that prevent you from being successful? Well, it depends on how driven you are. But if you are able to overcome it, at that point, your potential just skyrockets. So find those weaknesses, close those gaps, and make sure that you are constantly trying to figure out how to become the best version of yourself. Okay, so there are times whenever I go down rabbit holes, but I think that's okay. I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. I have truly enjoyed sharing a little bit about myself and my journey. And a big thing that I really hope is that as the show goes on and we're able to talk through challenges and issues and, and growth is that some of you can learn from some of my mistakes and, and hopefully continue to grow. With all that being said, I want to thank you for listening to The Way of the Wolf today, and I will look forward to our next conversation. Y'all have a good one.